Today on the show, I've been looking forward to this for some time. Michaela and Kate of the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast join me. We'll talk Seahawks, of course, Geno Smith, the rising weight of expectations, but we're also going to dive into the podcast business a little bit and discuss their experience as women in media. I think you'll enjoy that part of the conversation. And then at the end, I throw them a curveball and surprise them by asking them how many wins they expect for the Seahawks this year. A little bit of a curveball. Stick around till the end to see that. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. In the meantime, this is Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am joined, as promised, by Kate and Michaela of the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to out there. Ladies, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's been a busy time of year for you, but it's uh, great to have you on. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're happy to be here. We survived the school year. So. Yeah, barely, but we made it. <laughs> that now in and of itself. Here. You know, I just wanted to have you on here. Let's let's talk about school, right? Yeah. <laughs> so because of that, yeah, your yeah. fans have not had an opportunity to hear you guys do a show in a couple of months. In fact, it was right before the draft. That was mm -hmm. the last time you guys were on. And you guys talk about things other than Seahawks. You talk about the Kraken and the rain and the storm mm -hmm. and, and all of those things. We're going to get into some Seahawks stuff here in a minute um, sure. because it's really your first opportunity to talk about what they've done this off season. But tell me first, the genesis of the, sh the, uh, the podcast itself, how you guys, what made you decide that, that you wanted your voices to be heard and, and to put a show together? Well, to be honest, it was actually, uh, my friends over the ball Hawk podcast, um, my Canadian brothers, uh, Chris and Steve, they had invited me on their show back in like September, 2021. And we'd gotten to know each other through Twitter and they liked what, you know, I was posting about the Seahawks. They both love the sea. Well, Chris loves the Seahawks. Um, Steve is a Ravens fan. We won't go there. Steve. Yeah. Um, but they encouraged me if it, if it weren't for them asking me, Michaela, when are you going to start your own podcast? Mm -hmm. I don't think that this would have ever happened, hmm. but when I was on their show, they just kind of put, put that bug in my mm -hmm. ear. They said, I got to do it. And that was kind of the birth of the idea of PNW showdown. Yeah. And it was just you for the first couple episodes. Yeah. And then she was like, I have to have somebody to talk to. Like, will you co-host with me? And I was like, well, I don't really know sports, but if you want me to sit there and just like ask you stuff and talk to you, sure. Why not? <laughs> so then that's how I, that's how I got involved with it. But I learned a lot along the way, yes. lots and lots. So that's, it's pretty cool, but it's, yeah. it's one of the things I really love about your chemistry together is uh, you didn't have to tell me that. You didn't have to tell me that you weren't as knowledgeable about the infinite details of sports as Michaela was, because it's pretty obvious when you listen to the shows. But yeah. you're so great at uh, just taking what she says and playing off of it and asking her follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. it, is that something that you guys, obviously, you're not just co-hosts, right? Your life yeah. partners, you're married. It's yeah. it's how long have you been together, first of all? Uh in August it'll be five, five years, years of being together. Yeah. So this, like it, when I when I before we hit record and I had you on, you both popped up on the screen. I said hello. You said hi like you're 
identical twins, like at the exact mm-hmm. same time, like you'd rehearse it. Was that kind of chemistry conversationally something that, that you realized right away when you met each other? Um, I, I, it's funny. Cause I was actually really, really good at like asking Kate the questions when we first started dating. Yeah. And she, something very specific that she said in messenger to me was, I'm, I apologize if I don't ask you questions back. It's not because I don't care. Sometimes you just don't think to. And now it's kind of like roles reversed a little bit. Like hmm. I need Kate to ask me the questions to like <laughs> prompt conversation. But on the podcast, um, I think it's helpful having kind of the, the dynamic that we have mm-hmm. because Kate can ask questions whether she already knows the answer or not. She is very inquisitive and she also... Fun fact has a background in improv in college. Kate did some improv work. Hmm. And so I think that that also gives her an upper hand with, okay, this is a situation. How do I continue this conversation forward? Yeah. I mean, and, and let's be honest, college was a long time ago, but also like with teaching and stuff, you, know, for me. you always have to kind of, you kind of have to think on your feet and everything. So that sort of helps out too. But yeah, I mean, we just, we've always just sort of clicked, I think hmm. with, with talking about things and it's really nice because as a person who is like hashtag learning sports, as I like to say, um, (laughs) Michaela has never made me feel like I like should know something or I'm like dumb for not knowing it or whatever. Like she's always been really welcoming and like sometimes she's like even impressed by some of the stuff I figured out, which is nice. So, um, so it's made it, it's made it something easier for me to get into because I think that in a relationship, if you do have like one person who's really into like sports, you know, and the other person isn't, it can like not always feel like, um, I think for folks like that, their partner is welcoming them into that. It's more just like, Oh, like you don't like it or like, Oh, whatever, you know? But, um, but I think if you just kind of talk to each other and like, you know, share a little bit here and there or give some fun facts or whatever it is, like, you know, you can kind of find that little bit of a common ground where the person can also hold interest with you and like do things with you. So which she's just always been really good at that. So that's been nice. It's a really enjoyable part of listening to your show because I, I mean, I have a lot of male, uh, other podcast hosts and analysts on the show and it's, it's, it's kind of a hard chemistry to find because you're, you're trying to both sort of impart your knowledge and, and it's at times it's a struggle to make it a conversation as opposed Mm -hmm. to an interview or just kind of trading thoughts. Um, I want to talk about this because the Seahawks fan base has a significant female component to it. You see it at the stadiums. I've Mm -hmm. seen the numbers before, as far as merchandise sales and things like that go, it's, it's, uh, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it's close to 50, 50, if not more so that more women buy merch Seahawks merch than men do. Mm -hmm. But I feel like uh, women are underrepresented in the Seahawks podcast world, even though I don't know how it compares to other teams, but there's a ton of Seahawks content out there. There's a lot of YouTube pages. A lot of people uh, put a lot of time and effort Mm -hmm. into producing Seahawks content. Very few of them. I've been fortunate to have Dana O'Gorman as part of the the Field Goals podcast we co-hosted. I have her on the show regularly here. But I feel like outside of her and you guys, there's not a lot of women out there doing content. Is that something that you're aware of, concerned about, you'd like to affect, you'd like to see more of? I think it is something to kind of make sure that we're highlighting because there are so many women sports fans, no matter what 
team it is or what league it is Mm -hmm. that women hold some really valuable knowledge and insight, Mm -hmm. whether it's analytical or just being a fan and having an opinion. And I think women's voices in sports is very, very important. And I also think that it's easy for women to feel like, especially in the social media realm, that uh, Mm -hmm. we don't belong there, that our voices especially when it comes to male specific sports, something like football, Mm -hmm. that unless we've played the sport or coached this, like we don't know what it's like to play it. So that's one of the common themes that I've seen sometimes when certain, I'm going to say men have feelings about women's voices pushing in is you don't know what it's like. So you can't have the knowledge to speak to it. And I've personally... I can value and understand that I will never personally know women can play football. Like and there's, we, there's female football leagues. Yeah. Women so, can play yeah. football. But yeah. I understand that me personally, I have never been on a football field outside of like team sports in high school. Um, I don't know what the toll is mentally in the capacity that football players mentally go through, emotionally go through or physically go through. But I can watch the sport and develop a love for it and an understanding for what you see is happening on the field, areas of growth, areas that um, need to be addressed, and talent. I can see that. And so I think that there is value when women come to the table and they have discussions about these things. Mm -hmm. And we also see the value on our podcast. And we've had some really awesome special guests, people that we're we're grateful have given us time. Mm. Yeah. But we're also interested in learning more about the person that is the athlete that has the skills that has the talent that has been on the field that has Mm -hmm. been on the court. Um, and so we take a real interest in who is that person Mm -hmm. because many times we also are so far removed from, you know, who they are. And in social media, it's a place where people are quick to tear down and slow to build up. Yeah. For well, sure. And I've, uh, I've always maintained that anytime you observe something, anytime you get passionate about something, you, you, you gain knowledge about it. I, mm-hmm. I can't play these guitars on the wall back here, but I know a lot about them because I spent hours and hours and hours studying it because I'm passionate about it. And I tell people all the time, I mean, I went to Washington state university and the, okay. the, the late great Mike Leach, uh, mm-hmm. one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. And, and I certainly mm-hmm. hope that when all is said and done, that they'll waive the, the, the game's requirement for him to make it into the college football hall of fame at some point. Um, mm-hmm. he never played football and, and, and he's widely regarded as one of the, the, the greatest minds of the last 20 years, probably in college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah, I see it. I see it from, from my vantage point on social media, certainly, I get in and, and pick fights with, with guys sometimes that I feel like are, are jumping on, on women unfairly, but I'll say this, every single one of them, uh, I would never, ever, uh, think could ever do their own podcast. So kudos to you guys for doing it and, uh, and putting yourselves out there. That's always my, that's always my first comeback is like, okay, do your own show. Well, I think something I can say I'm definitely appreciative of on social media and kind of the presence that we've also grown is that we have a lot of people who do advocate for us and that do value our voices. And so as as time has gone on, I have realized that there's a lot less of those kinds of comments that I have to respond to either because I intentionally choose to filter those things out or that there is a another individual that decides to speak up for me. And it's not that I couldn't use my own voice, but 
that's where you need advocates and that's where you need allies and people that can step into that space. Cause mm-hmm. I can tell you that somebody that has those beliefs that women don't belong or their voices don't belong in that space. We need men who do believe those things to step in and to say something. Um, Cause your voice at that point with those individuals is more valued. Yeah. So um, we, had, we just appreciate your, uh, addressing that on the show. Absolutely. And, and I'll admit something. I, I don't think I've ever said this, certainly not behind a microphone, but you know, 25 years ago when I was trying to make it in small markets, trying to make it in the television broadcasting business and, uh, and, and, and I was having trouble doing it. I was stuck in places like Bismarck, North Dakota and Pasco, Washington, and didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was going to, going to be able to go anywhere. Um, and I started to see women show up as the default on sideline reporting in college and, and pro football. There was a, mm-hmm. there was a, I, I was jealous, you know, and I, and, and I thought some of those same things, you know, she didn't play mm-hmm. football, you know, and even though I didn't play it at a high level, I certainly played it and, and it was a big part of my life. So I, I think there's some of that can be human nature, but now when the sample size is so large now mm-hmm. that quality rises to the top and there are so many women doing it really really well mm-hmm. better than i could ever do it and um and if you ever if you ever come across mina kimes or Kay adams or one of those people in your lives tell them about my show because i'm trying to get them on it's just hard to get get in touch with those <laughs> yeah, people same. put a good put a good word in for me yeah, would you, you absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh no and i i think that kind of diversity is great because the the, the danger this is the last point i want to make on this is the danger is in, in anything but i think in sports it, it definitely applies is if it's just the same voices and the same people yeah. that look and sound exactly the same doing all the analysis, then it just kind of all sort of it drones out, you know, and they all kind of yeah. cancel each other out. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would just to hop on there. I agree with you because I think that when you do have those different voices, you're also connecting like with different people and bringing that, that thing that you're passionate about, like, in this case, football, right? You're bringing that to more people who maybe wouldn't have like really tuned in or listened to very much about it or things Mm -hmm. like that. Like you're kind of opening it up for more people that kind of have access to and feel like they can be a part of it and understand it. So I think that's really helpful for sure. Well, and I think it's one of the, one of the great things about sports. We put 72,000 fans in that stadium, you know, every other Sunday, essentially. Yeah. And, uh, and they're from all walks of life. And, and mm-hmm. it's one of the things that brings people together is concerts and events and, and sports is certainly one of them. I, I didn't mean to dive that deeply into that subject, but I really appreciate your willingness to talk about yeah. it because I do think it's important. Uh, let's talk about the Seahawks, shall we? Let's do it. So we, uh, you haven't done a show since the draft. Mm-hmm. There's been some free agency signings. The Seahawks have mm-hmm. acted in a, in a way this year in free agency that's unlike we've seen from them in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've had time to digest the draft, everything they've done since then. As we sit in this lull before training camp, how do you feel about the roster and what they've done this offseason? I think it's incredible. Like you said, it's something that we haven't quite see them do in free agency specifically. Draymond Jones was a huge shock, I think, to the Seahawks world that they landed him and that they invested mm-hmm. what they invested in him. But if you're looking at our defensive line, it was obviously a massive need. So they started to address it. Bringing Jaron Reed back um, is massive. And their draft, mm-hmm. I think, is one of the best. Like, they had a great draft last year. I think mm-hmm. they hadn't even better draft this year and we haven't mm-hmm. even seen these guys take the field right. um i do think that 
I was talking to Kate earlier today about it. I think with Pete Carroll and where he's at with his contract, where he's at with his age is maybe as his career starting to like get come to an end that they're putting, they're doing this last push. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're not waiting. They're not trying to develop. It's not a rebuild. It's a retooling of, we have this awesome team. I think that last year's team showed that they were not expected to do what they did last season. No. And now they're looking at, okay, we're just going to invest. I was shocked that they took JSN in the first round Hmm. right after doing Devin Witherspoon. Um, They got the two top, the top cornerback and the top wide receiver, I think in the draft. Um, And they, they went for best available, I think. And they're going to make it to the playoffs. As long as they can stay healthy, I think that uh, this is a really solid offseason yeah. for the Seahawks. It's like an A-plus for me, hmm. looking at all the tangibles. It's it's interesting you bring up Pete Carroll because <laughs> I feel like I think that he has two years after this one left on his latest contract. And, and, and I think now with each time that he signs any kind of an extension, uh, we're all going to just assume it's the last one. Um, I certainly did with this one, especially because he and Schneider signed their extensions within days of each other. And yeah. Schneider's mm-hmm. Schneider's went a year or two beyond, I think. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. thought, okay, well, that's it. They're laying out the groundwork so that Pete's going to finish out, do five more years. And then John will get a chance to do something he's never done before. And that is hire a coach. And then we'll go on to the next phase. Yeah. I, they sure aren't acting like an organization that thinks their head coach is in the twilight of his career because- I think teams like that would tend more towards signing veterans, maybe trading mm-hmm. draft picks for established veterans, not going as young, but he seemed as seems as energized as ever. Have you given any thought to the fact that this might not be his last contract? I, I did. I said it might not be when we were talking earlier yeah. today. Yeah. I, I said, I mean, it might not be, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is that Pete is so good with, young guys coming yeah. in that is mm-hmm. kind of what his program has always been about he's he was a phenomenal college coach mm-hmm. he had the turnover of players every four years right so right. he's using yeah. kind of what his motivating is his inspiration for these younger guys mm-hmm. he's great at developing them he's he has a lot of energy he has kindness and compassion mm-hmm. and what he does in the community is is incredible as well um and i i mean i just think that pete will run the system no matter if it's his final year, if it's his final week, if it's his final day, he's going to do exactly how he has done it in the years that he's been with the Seahawks. I don't think that we'll ever see a shift or a change in him that it is now, uh, you know, his, the sun is setting on his career. Mm. But I do think that with, I feel like the chips are all in here. I really do. I feel like they're not playing around with time. I don't think Mm -hmm. that they're making any definitive decisions, but I also feel like, they're going for it. They're not sitting back just saying like, let's see how these guys do. They're making moves. Um, And I think that it's worthwhile too. I think in 2025, when his contract is up, he'll be 75 years old. I think Mm -hmm. at that point, I don't mind if he wants to go till 80, who's any of us to age him out and stop him from continuing to coach and inspire the next generation of football players. I'm not here to do that, but I'm just kind of curious at what point, it is. It's like anytime there's a new contractor, right? This might be the last one. Mm-hmm. It certainly feels like this is in his wheelhouse. It's interesting you make the um, the parallel to college because I I think there were times during that last season with Russell here when the team was struggling and and on their way to only winning seven games and 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 questions about Russ's fit long term and how that was going to go where he seemed tired 
and and he seemed worn down. And now I feel like he has as much energy as he's ever had. Um, and mm-hmm. I wonder if that's because he's he gets to do what he's always loved doing, and that's and that's teach young guys. Yep. And if this is his last like part of his contract, like if his career does end up winding down, then those guys they're bringing in now that are new and fresh, they'll be more like experienced and closer to veterans like when he's gone to help kind of like lead the team and do all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think it looks like they're positioning themselves really well. It's a great point because it also sets up whatever comes next, right? If Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're going to go all in on a coach that you think is on his last legs and you go the veteran route, then when he's done, you you basically have to tear it all down and and start Mm -hmm. over. They've done such a nice job the last couple of years of making this roster, this roster young and layered where they're not, they don't have any years coming up where that, where things are peaking and they're going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lose everybody. Yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of spaced out over the next four or five years. So if he does mm-hmm. decide to give it up after a year or two, whoever does get the opportunity to coach this roster is going to have a lot of pieces in place. Let's talk about some of those pieces. Geno Smith was one of the greatest stories in the league last year. So fun. Nobody not named Geno Smith or maybe Pete Carroll and some of the people <laughs> in the organization thought that that was going to happen. Um, there still is a lot of doubt out there. You've seen it. I'm sure on social media. Mm-hmm. I just saw it yesterday. Dan Orlovsky retweeted someone uh, asking who throws the nicest spiral in the league. And Dan Orlovsky said, Geno Smith hands down. And there was still, if you read the comments, a lot of people, I don't know why people like Geno so much. That was just one year. It was a fluke. Mm-hmm. I guess frame it this way scale of one to five, let's say five being the best. Mm-hmm. Kate, I'll start with you. One to five, how confident you are that Gino is going to meet or exceed what he did last year? I mean, I'm at like a, I'm probably at like a four, four and a half because I feel like he, and, and we were kind of talking about this earlier too, where it's like last year he was pushing himself to prove people wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And this year he's like going to have to push himself to just like, again, kind of prove people wrong about the whole thing about it being a fluke and Mm -hmm. everything else. And I mean, he's shown that he's like putting in the work, you know, he's there like the day after the season ends back in the training facility, keeping everything going. Like he's not taking all this time off. Like he's really putting in that, that work. It's, it's really seems like it's the thing he wants to do and he's committed to it. And I mean, we saw last year how well that went. So I think barring any like, you know, unforeseen kind of event injury, whatever. I think, you know, he's, I think he's in great position to kind of keep working with what he's got. And it seemed like the team was so rallied around him, Mm -hmm. right? Like they were all bought into, to the Gino hype as well with all of it. So that's got to really help because, you know, you could definitely tell in the last couple of years before that, that like there just wasn't the same cohesion and buy-in from the team that there had been before. And, and that really seemed to turn around a lot this year. So if they can kind of keep that connection and cohesion going and bring those new guys on board with all that, I think Gino's got a great chance. Michaela, you similarly as optimistic? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sitting here at a four and a half. You know what? I don't even mind. I'll just tap out at five. Do it. <laughs> and the huge reason for that is, number one, Gino shows that he can be accurate. He can be on the run and mm-hmm. get the ball in the hands of the, of the playmakers he continuously looks downfield. He has a rocket for an arm. He can throw the bar- ball downfield and deep as anybody else. Mm. Um, but now he has even more weapons. Yeah. I mean, 
he has the wide receivers. He has three wide receiver ones on his team. These are all top tier mm-hmm. receivers. They're not going to make his job that difficult either. Um, but you're able to see him make some of those tight coverage throws. He can thread the needle and he needs to. He had so many years of sitting behind these elite quarterbacks where he learned a little bit from every everybody that made him where he is now. And it really is about staying in the right mindset to, to make sure he remains humble but confident. This man is like, I love listening to his interviews. He treats mm. everybody with respect. He, he remains humble, but he is quietly confident in a way that he knows what he's about and he knows what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And I have a whole lot of respect for how he approaches the game mm. and that he gives credit to his team. He knows yeah. that he needs literally everybody around yep. him to be able to be successful in their roles for him to even be able to do his job. And he gives credit where it's due in that capacity and in a genuine way as well. But I, I, I don't see him barring like the center position imploding or not working out as I think it might work out. Yeah. Um, that that would be my biggest concern, mm. right? You need a center who can see what they need to see on the line, make any calls and adjustments, and snap the ball off effectively. There has to be a positive and solid relationship there. So barring that being a potential issue, mm-hmm. I think he's going to go off. It, it'll be interesting. I, I think one of the early storylines in the season will be how does he now handle the expectations and how does he handle the pressure that comes along with even though it was a, a mid-level type quarterback salary, now he's getting paid. He's been given the keys to the to the vehicle, basically, by the Seahawks, mm-hmm. and and surrounded with what is generally now viewed as the best collection of weapons that this regime has ever had. In fact, ESPN's Bill Barnwell just came out with a piece this morning where he ranked all of the offensive weapons in the league outside of quarterback, and he had the Seahawks fourth. That's mm. some pretty heady expectations now. So if he yeah. if he stumbles out of the gate, then certainly there are going to be questions because it's such a small sample size. But I've always said to people that because I think one of the biggest criticisms of Gino that I just never got on board with last year was, well, he's been a backup for six years. So why would we think he can do it now? Well, just because he didn't get a chance to do it doesn't mean he can't do it. Well, and if you see the guys that come out of the draft that get put in that franchise quarterback position right away, like they're not always successful right away either. Like they definitely, you gotta, you gotta get your feet wet and learn all that stuff. So, um, you're not, you're not everybody's Patrick Mahomes, you know? So it's like coming out right away. Well, and even he sat behind Alex Smith for a season. And so he had time to also develop under an incredible quarterback. And he went to a franchise that kind of had their stuff together. And so when you have some of these guys like a Geno Smith and they're Mm -hmm. on a team where maybe they didn't have the best coaching staff or support, you know, the Mm -hmm. team, isn't what you need it to be. That doesn't allow you to develop in the ways that gives people faith that you're capable, but mm-hmm. you're, I mean, he was an excellent collegiate quarterback as well. So you're, you might also be coming yeah. in with a younger mentality of what you're capable of. And then you get humbled and mm-hmm. the world will humble you. And then you have to learn how to grow through that. And Gino stuck with it. He never mm-hmm. walked away from the game and he was fine sitting behind and being a backup quarterback and he came back to the Seahawks after you know a couple seasons he kept coming back as backup and he was he was okay in that position he was always battling it to be the best you know he wanted to be a starter and he eventually got his opportunity he didn't he didn't know that that would actually happen or come mm-hmm. to fruition but he was patient enough for that to happen and that's kind of why i believe that regardless of the pressures that might come with having gotten paid or having the best weapons i i think his mentality will be able to pull through of like well 
this is what I've experienced. And that was a lot of pressure in its own right, because you could easily be out of the, of the league in like two seconds. If you're not the franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. you might not be the backup. Well, I think that's going to be his legacy is, is most guys that are highly drafted and he, he was a second round pick, but he was top of the second round. He was a guy that was projected as a first round pick and kind of slid a little bit. Um, but he was certainly thought of as the jet savior. They took him that high expecting him to be their franchise quarterback. Guys that usually are taken that high and flame out don't ever bounce back. Mm-hmm. They just don't either, either because they're, they're written off. They, they don't get another opportunity, but mm-hmm. certainly the, the, the fan base and, and the public and even the media will give up on those guys so quickly. You're seeing it now in San Francisco. Sam Darnold was talented enough as a, as a quarterback prospect to be taken in the top 10. He didn't do well in New York with a terrible supporting cast. Does that sound familiar, right? Geno Smith mm-hmm. knows what that's like. He went to Carolina. He had some flashes, but again, not a great supporting cast. He goes to San Francisco, and and there's been some, some reports that he looks great, that he's probably the second guy there if Purdy can't go. Shanahan loves him. One of the uh, the guys that covers the team said... He's one of the most talented throwers of the football ever to play in San Francisco, which that drew a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. But there's so much skepticism to any of that sentiment because now we've already seen what he can do and we've made a judgment on him. Mm-hmm. I think those judgments are hard to shake. And and if Gino does it for another year, maybe it'll, you know, there might be other quarterbacks later on who thank mm-hmm. him for that because it just changes a perception of what, what a bust is. Yeah. Yeah. He's proven he's not a bust because yeah, the talent's there and you mentioned it. And that's why I'm, I'm on board with you guys. I'm four and a half, five. I'm as confident as can be for the same reasons you touched on. I think they improved the interior offensive line uh, for now and moving forward. They've added to the weapons. They've improved the running back room, the receiver room, the tight ends were already deep, but the skill levels there. I mean, it just passes the eye mm-hmm. test. He throws the football as well as anyone in the league. He has a strong arm as, as anyone in the league. He's as accurate as anyone in the league. He manipulates the pocket, all those things. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your impression of, when you look at this roster as a whole right now, it's it's a little different than we're used to seeing from a Pete Carroll roster. We've just spent 10, 15 minutes talking about the offense. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the defense at all. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> is, is that just the evolution of what's happened here? Is it, Are we looking at a team now that where the offense is going to have to carry the day and determine how far this team can go? I think that's a really uh, interesting question because if you remember before the season started last year, we were not worried in the least about the defense and we were totally concerned about the offense mm-hmm. and it, com- it completely flipped. And so I'm hoping that we're not like, you know, jinxing it here and then the defense comes out and they're looking like Legion of Boom 2.0 and our offense for some odd reason fizzles out. I just hope that they're both incredible. And mm-hmm. again, with this draft, I think that they really set themselves up for success. Um, Tariq Woolen, I, I think Witherspoon is going to be excellent on the other side, but I think Mike Jackson, it sounds like, has given him a run for his money. Yeah. They're going to be deep at corner if they have issues, if anybody has um, you know, injuries, which you'd never wish for anybody across any sport. Um, but I think that they're set up with some solid cornerback situations. Mm-hmm. They brought in, uh, Julian love and, and if Adams can come back healthy, which I, and, I, and I am stay, a Jamal, and stay healthy. I'm a Jamal Adams. I, I love him and I want nothing more than to see him have a healthy season. Mm-hmm. I think that we really missed his energy last season on yeah. the field. Yeah. Um, he brings a certain kind of hype kind of, it reminds me of Earl Thomas and 
Richard Sherman, that kind of energy, that hype, that that intensity on the field that I, I just felt like they fell flat last season mm-hmm. um, a little bit on defense. So if, if you're looking at players that can be shifted into all these different positions or versatile, I think that the Seahawks defense can they can find the right formula mm-hmm. to make everybody in the position that they're going to thrive best at and be the most impactful. Um, and it might be playing around with Love and Adams and you know, Diggs will be where Diggs is at, but their backfield solid. And at the end of the day, it's just whether or not their defensive line pieces are set. I truly believe that bringing Bobby back is exciting. Yeah. You have a veteran presence who's been there, done that is the the best, the best in the league, in my opinion. Um, Did they answer the questions and the needs on the D line? That's all I, the only question I have left. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the focus of the preseason. Right is is seeing the young guys getting their reps, seeing how J- Jaron Reed looks in his second go round, um, and uh, Mike Morris, Cam Young, are those guys ready, mm-hmm. or are they going to need to go out maybe and pick up another veteran at the end of training camp? I think mm-hmm. that's going to be the you know last year it was about the quarterback position. We wanted to see what that was all about. That was mm-hmm. the focus of the preseason. It was Locke versus Smith. I think it's all about that defensive line mm-hmm. this year. You make a good point about Adams. I I think they've done a nice job of filling out that defense so that they're not reliant on him where last year that certainly hurt him when he goes out week one, they were just lost. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if he comes back this year, it's kind of frosting on the cake. I think that's what they've planned to do. And and then that's kind of how they've designed it so that anything they get from him is a bonus and they won't feel, we won't, it won't feel like that void. If Mm -hmm. they're counting on him, he looks healthy in preseason. He comes out and he gets hurt again early on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to really miss Ryan Neal just personally yeah. because I loved him so much, but I'm happy he's going to get playing time elsewhere, I guess. But I'm just like, that's just like, that was just my, that's my little, that's my little sad, my little sad note there is just that I do, I do miss that we aren't going to have him this year, but yeah, that was okay. a tough one. I, I have said this, uh, if Jamal doesn't work out after this year, he obviously, he becomes much easier to, to release financially next year. Ryan Neal only signed a one-year deal in Tampa. And uh-huh. John Schneider's on the record as saying, uh, I believe his exact quote was, he'll be a free agent again next year when talking about mm-hmm. how hard it was to lose him. So, yeah. um, you know, don't give up hope yet. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not asking for anything <laughs> bad to happen to Jamal. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. if we, you know, I'm not mad if we end up getting Ryan Neal back. That I'd be fine with that. Right. Uh, Kate, how many wins? Oh, um, oh. That's a that's a tricky one. We're talking about regular season, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with ten. Okay. Okay. Mikhail. I'm gonna be a little bolder and go eleven. Okay. I'm gonna wait. I just wanted to get <laughs> yours on the record. <laughs> I see okay. how it is. All right. Sure. Right. Okay. Totally fine. <laughs> uh, I stand by what I said. I'll stick to it. Uh, tell me you're going to be firing up the podcast again soon now that uh, life has settled down a little bit for the summer. That's that's, that's the, the plan. That's Good. the plan. Yeah. Good. We, I mean, we do miss doing it. So it it would it would be nice to get back to you again. It's it, just, yeah. once spring hit, it was like with work, everything just kind of like went sort of like sideways with capacity and like what we could mostly probably me with what I could like handle and and deal with. So no, same it's, it was an intense uh, second part of the year, but not like not negative, just 
a lot to manage in capacity needing to take care of ourselves and take care of each other through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we take the podcast pretty seriously in a fun way, but we like to make sure that what we share is accurate and we do all the research. We do all of the digital content, all of the editing, like that is all us. That is, um, it's, every it's, minute Mika- it's it. pretty much Michaela, but I mean, I help with research, but like um, everything else is pretty much Michaela. So it's a lot, it's time. It takes a lot of time yeah. to yep. do this and you know, we're not sponsored. We don't get paid. Like this is a passion project. Mm-hmm. And so I think it allows us to feel okay that if there's a period of time where we take a step back that we mm-hmm. don't feel um as we felt bad in the beginning we when we wouldn't when we if we missed like a week we would be like yeah. oh my gosh i can't believe we missed a week and then it was like we took two weeks off one time for the holidays or something and then it's just kind of like this year we had a few more larger gaps but it seemed like people were being very supportive and very like nice about it nobody was giving us a hard time which was nice because we didn't we didn't want to like let people down or whatever which sounds silly but um mm-hmm. but yeah it's just we'll bring it back yeah we're, we're on you it. bringing us on your show helps re-spark the joy of like hopping on and having conversation and getting fully my intention. I, I assume <laughs> at we'll PNW it. showdown. If you want to follow them on Twitter, so you will know when new episodes arrive and then you can follow them individually as well. I'll put their follows in, uh, in the description on the YouTube page. Thank you so much ladies for taking the time to be on the show with me and talk some ball. Thank you. Thank you for having us. At Seahawks Forever uh, to follow me on Twitter and uh, consider subscribing to the channel. That way you'll always know about new episodes like the one I'm recording Wednesday with Paul Moyer. He'll be joining me. Excited to talk to Paul. Um, Might not have the episode posted until early Thursday, um, but keep an eye out for that. And certainly if you subscribe, you will not miss out. Until then, this is Seahawks Forever, forever and always. Go Hawks.